Hello and welcome to the Film or Alan podcast. I'm here with Alan Mulligan. His fantastic film The Limit Of is out in cinemas now, so make sure to catch it. Before we get into the podcast, can you tell me a little bit about where people can see it now? Uh, it's currently, it's going into, it's three weeks out now, so yep. it's still in Mayo Movie World. Very impressive Eye to have a nice long it's amazing, release, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for an independent film, as they say, yeah. it's a very difficult thing to get past the first week even. So, yeah. And then in Dublin, Savoy Cinema are keeping it in. And that's a nice old screen as well to be to be in there. It's like a nice classic cinema. Yeah, it's space, the iconic so. cinema, yeah. yeah. It's a shame screen one is gone, but then I don't I think know. we would have been filling that. I know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. yeah. If it was there, if it was there, yeah. we would have. Okay, so first of all, I know we had chats there through Film Ireland. I checked it up in December twenty seventeen. Wow. Yeah, so that was the last time and it's chatting to yourself and uh, Lawrence. Yeah. Yeah. The lead in the film, yeah. Yeah. So he's like, it's like so much time has passed. Um, and then even between himself and Sarah, the two have gone on since your film. So that the launch pad to do amazing things, like yeah, it's phenomenal just, stuff. It seems to be, I've been the breakthrough for them. Like Sarah got nominated for the IFTA and yeah. now there's lots of doors opening for her at the moment. Brilliant. And then... Lawrence has been in Vikings, um, yeah. he's been in Game of Thrones, he's been in, oh, he was in Can't Cope, One Cope, Rebellion on RT, he's been in so much, really, like, since I cast him, when, when we cast him that time, uh, he was in uh, The Factory at the time, which is now Bow Street, yeah. so he hadn't been in anything at the time, and just to see... You know, it'd be very hard to afford Lawrence now. Oh, I'd say so. I'd say <laughs> yeah. that. It sounds like, I mean, the amount of things he's had on his plate since then, how would you even fit him into a schedule? I know, It'd be yeah. like, you know, you get it like from 12.30 in the at night until, you know, 4.30 on a Tuesday. And yeah, 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 time, yeah. That's your only time you have to shoot. You have to write a really small role. Yeah. And, talk to, and I'd talk to, be talking to his agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be like, oh, he's not available. Yeah. He's not available. So the last time we spoke, you were talking about the writing process and you mentioned that it, this took you 18 months to write. Yeah, in total, from the conception, I guess, of the idea, I was working yeah. in banking at the time. So I started work, working the script from there and writing it in my office and writing it in the evenings and at weekends. So I guess it probably, writers will hate me saying this, but it could have been written quicker. Yeah, uh, but just balancing another career, which what most people were doing do at the time in the writing of future. Yeah. But then I did leave work once I had kind of a first draft, and then yeah. it was kind of six months from there. Then I finished it. Brilliant. And how was how difficult was it to manage that in your schedule with writing? Because if you've a kind of pretty taxing full-time job. Yeah, like it's only when I left work that I realized just how difficult it is. But I knew that. I wasn't going to get it finished properly without leaving work because you're writing yeah. during work so you do a meeting and then you'd go right I, could, I have an hour to spare in work and you take yeah. it out and you just start and you're daydreaming about it and I'm sure any yeah. writers out there will see you just daydream all the time like the characters are in your head no matter where you're going but then having to change your mindset and in finance I had to use my mind I guess or your brain so it was a very uh, mind orientated um, job so it, you'd have to shift and concentrate on work for a while and yeah. then trying to shift back into the characters again was becoming very difficult for me and it's my first time doing a writing a feature so I guess that would be the most difficult part. Uh, creating a character like uh, James like and it's such an internal character how 
How do you kind of structure him? Was he always fully formed when you were writing it, or was he someone that kind of came together as you were putting it together, or is he based on someone you know? There's bits of all of that in it. Yeah. Yeah, he he came formed to a certain extent. I didn't want him to be... He was never going to tell people what he was thinking. Yeah. And you were never going to know what he was going to do next. Because from my experience in, in reality in that you you don't go around telling people how you're feeling and you don't yeah. go around telling people what you're going to do next. Especially, especially if you're going to screw the banks over. Yeah. You know, so... And especially he's a kind of very masculine character in, yeah. a, in a kind of what's perceived to be quite a masculine realm. Yeah. That it's, you know, that, that kind of verboseness isn't necessarily promoted in, mm. in that either. So it's... For sure. He's, and it's, he's almost a bit of a cowboy in his own way. Yeah, a little bit. Stoic... Yeah, yeah, a little bit, and even uh, it's like that uh, with the mother-son relationship. He's not telling his mother how much he loves her. Yeah, he's not saying what he's doing to show he loves her. He's just doing it. And yeah. same with um, the, I guess the love interest, uh, yeah. the strange love interest in the film. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he didn't. He doesn't say it, and she doesn't say it. And yeah. often, I do find in real life we don't say it you meet someone you think they're attractive or you you have some type of an energy with them that you feel something for them but you don't come out and say it so you talk around it and I guess that's where the dialogue was talking around it that no one ever says what they're thinking in the film and some reviews out there it's very interesting when you do hear about a a review that really gets that part of it and they say that the none of the dialogue says what the characters are thinking it's all layered but then uh, yeah, just I, I guess that would be a bit that I would have really liked after it's been said about the ride. Yeah, um, and getting to a watch it in cinemas around the time in 2017 when we last spoke was pretty impressive enough. I know you had a very positive reaction then, but what's it been like now? Like watching it go out to the world, like you've birthed it fully now. Yeah, and it's its own beast. Like I, I couldn't go by a bus. But I'd seen yeah. it like, it was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was impressive. Yeah. Like I was even, I remember I was on my way to Savoy for a meeting about the premiere that RT were hosting and I was walking down a Collins Street and I just landed into Dublin. And as I was walking up, which is cool enough to be walking up for that meeting, and then this bus goes by me and yeah. I was like trying to grab my phone out in time to take a photo of it. And I wouldn't be a big picture person, but yeah, yeah I could not try grab photos. Uh, but yeah, Carrie Bradshaw moment as well. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have associated myself with her. But yeah. But I think uh, the reaction from film festivals was phenomenal. There was yeah. three or four in particular where there was like stand ovations or it was just such a warm reception and people Brilliant. really got it. And that was really yeah. exciting. But uh, then to go... But there's also a lot of rejection in the film festival world because you don't yeah. have any you're totally unknown. So you're, you're submitting, like I'm sure lots of people listen to this will be doing, you're submitting with thousands of other films. Yeah. Like the chances are of you getting picked as a lottery. Like So the fact that, like, that we were picked for festivals was just a dream come true. But believe me, there was lots of moments where I was going, oh crap, like this, what have I done? It's not, why is this not working? But you know, then you meet someone who knows someone and they yeah. put in a call for them to look at the film. Next thing they think it's the best film they've ever seen. But that's yet, funny. Yeah. if I didn't get a call put in by someone, by someone, you know, yeah. which was all my networking and that's what a lot of time was put into. And yeah. then uh, for it to go out to the public 
has been way more interesting for me because the feedback is much better. Like yeah. it's, it's because they don't care who you are. Yeah. I, I find that so interesting. Like people cry into your sending you emails over Facebook that I don't know, like telling me how amazing the film or how it affected them or how they're related to it in certain ways. Yeah. You know where it seems sometimes, I guess when you're unknown, it's hard for people in the film industry to take the time to appreciate what's done because yeah. in their eyes it's a smaller film, which I'm sure, you know, fingers crossed if we all keep moving up, that's probably the way our mindset would go as well because you're just busy you know yeah well it's and it's got a, it seems to have an amazing response it's again i think i said it at the time but it's it's even more true now because i know at the time we were dealing with the aftermath of the recession and i think now at the housing crisis and the homelessness thing we've actually reached peak point of the fallout of the recession and then it seems like certain industries um your former one are you still working in no i'm not no, no. <laughs> yeah your former <laughs> one not. definitely kind of has a toe in that water and the, you know the banking industries they've all bounced fully back but the average person on the street hasn't and that rage against systems st- yeah. is, is kind of it, it, it's almost more poignant now than it was two years ago yeah there's a certain amount in within society that like the banks say say that they Lending was increased by 18% last year in the country, and this is a phenomenal for the growth of the GDP. Um, and then that the banks had 1.25 billion. Those profits last year, and uh, they paid 2% tax on them, but they're boasting that the country's booming now. And I'm like, it's up 18% in lending. That just means all I'm looking at is all my friends going into 300 grand of debt for the next 30 years. And I'm going, yeah. that's not the, really booming. They're and also the people who can afford 300 uh, grand of debt. If you look at the average industrial wage, it's said to be, which and it isn't because people have artificially high salaries now with the, in the financing and the, the tech industry. But it's said the average industrial wage is about 34, 35. It's probably around 28 you can't get a 300 grand mortgage no not at all not at where all. do you live you have to pay and what's deeply ironic is you have to pay more because vulture fund people own all the rental properties in dublin and they're charging like two grand for like a box yeah you yeah. know and and you you're you're it's almost like you're you're held to ransom but that goes back to the time. like the film title i really find yeah. that very interesting it was actually uh, tim palmer the producer of Into the West and Patrick's Day that came on board and we had called it Lead Us Not at the time but I wasn't really happy with it and Tim brought it up and said you know can, can we change the, t- the title and I was yeah. like well if you can come up with something better and then the limit of was came up with because of the limit of control the limit of greed yeah. you know the limit of responsibility the because limit of these, what people can take as well and I think it's definitely yeah. you know the average person who's being pushed to the edge and yeah. that really and that, that was the initial idea for the script was a man who gets pushed to the edge that's going to break the rules of society and you'll still empathize with him. And that yeah. was the whole idea of the initial start of the film before he was a banker, before he was anything. Because I just did feel like society does put limits on us in yeah. so many ways, but also so does our emotions, like the limit of our anger, the limit of our desires. Um, I think we're limited by everything and how we react to things. Uh, you know, if, if you're jealous, you know, some people get jealous, then they do things that they shouldn't do. Uh, you know, you have desire for someone, you yeah. have an affair, you cheat, or, you know, these things are all 
limit us and yeah. it, I guess there are weaknesses but also society puts a lot of limits on us and is very much so kind of setting things up that it's not necessarily providing the best paths for most holistic paths for people because what's being cited is greed Instagram you want to look better you want your life to look better on the outside and it puts all this pressure on it and it's all almost these systems that are set up that people are at the very bottom of and they're pulled by and pushed by and don't even necessarily realize how much so like I mean no, myself included like sure I'd have my snap of my you know thing at my cocktail when I'm on holidays and you, you don't realize you know this is actually all kind of playing into this facade that people put up yeah and, yeah. and, it, it, and again it's not something that's created by us and it's, well, not it's a hierarchy like yeah. it's a power hierarchy really like and I think we all feed into it as humans in society that's yeah. naturally the way we work um, and we're all becoming very educated so we're all we're learning how everyone else is doing everything but the top people are always in control and they pass it down and they give you so much power that you think that you're powerful yeah. in your own regard but you're only powerful enough to live your simple little life that revolves around other people's lives and then we're all on monthly payments for all our bills we're all on uh, be monitored on all the social media devices we're using like it's a there's a huge other debate in that um, yeah. but there's not really much we can do because it is progression yeah but at what cost i guess and yeah and we think we have autonomy and we have none where we don't realize you know there's computers tallying up all the choices that we're going to make and then selling us facebook ads to to vote for people that you know but, uh, maybe we shouldn't yeah, be voting for and then you you yeah it's yeah. And that's it, like you, we think we have choices and we, we don't really because even for instance, I can, I know I, there was some posts put up about this on the Limit Of website yeah. is like one of the banks do this advert of this elderly couple who are about 70 nearly and it's celebrating the last day of their mortgage. And I just, I don't know how people aren't, I don't know how those ads aren't banned. Yeah. I just really don't. Like they would have spent hundreds of thousands and these adverts going around and all they're doing is advertising for us to believe that it's okay to pay to spend 35 years paying for your house yeah like it makes no sense but and they're even the lucky ones we'll talk about the people that are never going to be able to afford to but, get a mortgage but, and there'll be a lot of them in our society. but they sell it that way yeah. that these people are the lucky ones and you can be lucky like them and be successful like them and i'm going when did this become success yeah like when did it become success but it becomes success because everyone's looking at on posters all around the country and that's only one advert there's so many others that tells us that this is the way to do it it's same with pcp on cars yeah. like you see someone driving a 19 car there they're not driving they can't afford that 19 car most of these people they're it's on higher purchase so therefore the banks are allowed lend a lot more money because you don't actually own the car and they can take it back anytime they want that's yeah. how they got around that the people weren't buying the cars so uh Scrappage deals are brought in by the government, which is them teaming up with the banks who are teaming up with the car salesmen. And then this PCP product, which is magic, means that you trade in your car to get your first five or six grand. But now Scrappage covers that. So people are getting their granny's cars that aren't worth 50 euro. Yeah. They get four and a half, five grand. That gets them in the door. Then they get this brand 19 car and it's on 350 or 450 euro a month. Yeah. And then in three years time, there's a balloon payment of 15,000 still left in the car. But yeah. all they want to do is that you get another car then because you're never going to be able to afford that balloon payment. Yeah. And this is the, and I think that's the beauty. There's, And I know from working in bank, these people are extremely intelligent. 
yeah. and they sit down and they come up with products and ideas and how to lend more money to people, normal average your subs, and convince them that this is the success. And I think that's where, and I'm sure that had elements in my writing and yeah. wanting me to go into of, this. Of your angry, but I mean, the thing is, everybody is angry. Yeah. Um, but yet we're all still part of the system. We all have to live. And yeah, yeah. we're all, yeah, we're, we're all kind of on our day-to-day life adhering to it and following it. No, sure. One of my so. friends, I was down there the other day and he has an amazing house that they've built. Um, he's an amazing family and he has this gorgeous 19 car outside the door. But he's under pressure. And then yeah. on top of that, and I go, wow, like you're living the dream here and the dream is he is over 350 grand over his head. Do yeah. you know, he's 40 years of age. Yeah. What, on normal salaries. It doesn't make sense, but that is what makes sense because he'd rather have that than not have it so he's willing to do it and the bank allow him to do it. Like if the bank said tomorrow there's only 20-year mortgages going forward, all house prices would fall by 30% immediately. Yeah. Because we can't afford them then. And if you look at the average age of people getting mortgages, I mean, it's it's gotten higher and higher. Like, yeah. I, very few people, especially because I would have worked in the arts for so long, would be in those very kind of stable jobs where you can afford to buy a mortgage. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, before people would have, you know, my parents' generation would have bought houses when they're in their 20s. Now, you're lucky if you can get a house if you're in your 30s. Like, you're one of the lucky ones if you can afford to put the down payment, to put everything together while you're getting your life together. And it's kind of pushing it further and further back. It's making it really, really expensive. And then, some, you know, after a certain point, you can't get a mortgage. There's people who are, you know, in their 60s now who will be living in very unsafe rental accommodation where they don't have that security. They could be turfed out at any time. And yep. then you think, like, what, what way is that to retire? I mean, and how are they going to live when they retire? The government's going to have to do something. Yeah. Because if the housing price, like, but again, it's, they don't have to deal with this. This government will be gone by the time they, this problem. It's all about GDP forms. and increasing yeah. that GDP. <laughs> but anyway, but it's, this is but why even that this about film pe- really, it just taps into that anger. And, yeah. and it really, you like it, it, it is it's kind of like this visceral kind of bubbling rage that people have because we all know that situation yeah. is there and why it, it is again just so perfectly timed to be yeah but we um, just have to accept it like but even another thing that's touched on in the film is uh the role of carers for people and i really think this is another element that's not talked about because yeah. all these things aren't popular to talk about but who is we're an aging population so yeah. when we're all 70 plus there's not going to be enough young people around to be paying the taxes to pay for us to be looked after and who is going to look after us and a lot of us now aren't having kids there's people separating more people living single in their elder age now because you can't afford kids if you're renting you can't afford kids you can't afford a three-bedroomed house or by the time people get their i guess get to where they're going in their life like you said people used to buy the house in their 20s now it's kind of going into mid 30s people don't want to have kids till they have their house till they have that yeah. and then unfortunately there's that ticking clock yeah. that it means that people and maybe they haven't right, met the right person at the right time but it just is becoming a much more popular thing of yeah. people not having these kids and just get dogs yeah yeah, yeah. well they, they, don't, can't, they don't give they out after you though yeah. when you're if, when you're older unfortunately like there is yeah. that thing so that element is touched on the film as well which yeah. i think um and that's why I, there was two festival screens in particular like a huge 
debate afterwards about this yeah. element of it, but there are actually, I remember one of them was Cape Cod, um, and it was an older generation that was in the audience, and before the screen and I went to my brother, like we were both there, I go, oh my God, like, everyone here is, you know, 50 plus. Yeah. Is this our market? Like, And they actually gave us the nicest reception, and afterwards the Q&A was amazing, and it went yeah. on and on and on, and then after like 45 minutes they said, look, we have to stop the Q&A, like, and then people hung around asking questions. But they were really concerned about that part of it, and they thought yeah. that it was really poignant uh, with the time, because they're even feeling yeah. it now. Imagine what we're going to feel yeah. when we're in that, and we don't have our kids, you know? Yeah. Because that's where a lot of it came from, is... Uh, like friends of mine gave up their careers and went home to mind their parents for a few years. Yeah, that's actually a very common thing as well. You hear about people that have emigrated and then what are they going to do? They have to come back. Yeah, like because they have kids or they get sick and then yeah. they have to move home because people can't mind them. And like that's why family unit is so important. And you know, at the core of this is that love of a family, I think. Yeah. And then maybe replacing that love of family with someone new. Uh, yeah. But that takes trust. And are you sick of talking about these issues now? Like, I presume these just come up all the time with this film. <laughs> You're like, I'm just... And my next film is going to be about, like, adorable cats, you know, no, but I chasing think the I, guffin. I, <laughs> part, of me, part of me thinks... Uh, yeah. And I know that behind closed doors, there's been the conversation with me of, you know... <laughs> I remember one distributor sat down with me and went... Uh, the film kind of has a lot of things to say about society. <laughs> and I went, it kind of does, but it's still in an entertaining manner. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know if that's such a good thing, Alan. Like maybe for the next one, maybe maybe don't do that. And I, yeah. I found it really interesting because we do encourage people to say things about society. But then when it comes to putting it out there in the mix, no one wants to offend anyone. Um, and it's not really offend. It's not that debate. Uh, it's... No one wants to put their name behind something that's saying something. Yeah, because or they're afraid to take a side. Yeah, and now yeah. it's... Because if you do, it's not about... It used to be you just put out a, a film and yeah. it was about whatever. Now it's like, do you stand for that? Is that yeah. what you're standing for? And you're like, that's not... It's an entertaining film. It's a film, so you know? The, the, I, the, this conversation actually came up a lot about the pro-choice Mm. when the referendum was on and there was like a certain amount of films came by it's amazing films it, a it's hard to get funding for something of that theme yeah. when you're tackling with something like abortion and b people were anxious about you know if if you fund this film is your production company going to be like this is a political affiliate now and you know my close certain doors yeah. do you, or do you make a stand and you say this is who you are we had one yeah. uh one company who was coming on and their proposal was that they'll do everything, they'll put the money behind it, but they won't put their brand on it. Oh, yeah. Because of the content of the film. And I was like, the content of the film isn't that strong. Like, no, you know, so yeah. it, it was really a strange one. Like, But yet they wanted to come in and I was like, yeah, so that's... But I guess these are the conversations you're having behind the closed doors, but I, I don't necessarily think that it's the public they're worried about. Yeah. It's the, the funders. It's the funders and other people within the industry yeah. uh, that they're that they're more concerned about because the public don't, and that's why I, I remember in that meeting I went, public don't care, you know, yeah. the public don't care, they yeah. just want to go in and watch a film. They don't like. They the, don't know who behind the scenes. They don't know who's behind it. They don't know who's behind yeah. it. Yeah, that's actually very interesting. And getting it out there. So again, I mean, the run has been phenomenal. 
incredible. How difficult was the sales process there for distribution? Um, yeah, it was. Because <laughs> it was a while. <laughs> yeah, a while. it took a while. Yeah. yeah, but then I was at home, um, mine and my father with my brother at the time as well, through it. So that would have definitely put the brakes on it a bit yeah. in terms of networking. Because, like I said, for me, the networking becomes a part of it. So many people, and the beauty of it as well is we got the certain festivals and won certain awards, which was great. And a lot of people already knew about the film. A lot of the distributors and people had seen it. And then when you get that and you come back yeah. to them again, but it was giving them a chance to get to know the people who made the film, really. Because yeah. uh, there's a trust there. Because you can't just walk into an industry and expect to be backed. Yeah. So I fully understood why it wasn't getting there. And they all were like, it's a very good piece of work. It deserves to be out there. Yeah. But let's hold for now, you know? And, and that time actually probably worked well because the careers of the the stars really elevated. We were like, well, I know him, you know? Yeah, so people I've started to get to know them. TV. Yeah. yeah. So, so then it's, it's easier sell for the public to yeah. go see it as well. Because, it's all, yeah. all those cards fall into place. Um, and it's just people getting familiar with it. It's like I, I hadn't made a feature before and I was very new to the filmmaking industry. So I'm knocking on these doors saying, how are you? I have a film. And they go they don't even know who you are like so they kind of reluctantly take a meeting but then next thing you're at some other event you meet someone else and they're going you know what you should meet this guy or this girl and then I'm set up for a meeting with them and I'm going I've already met them because I banged on their door but then you're welcomed with open arms the second time because you're now vouched for by someone else yeah it's really interesting but I get it it's the same thing with friendship circles it's like you don't just talk to the first person who walks into the bar. Yeah. But if someone comes up and your friend comes up to you or someone that you work with comes up and goes, oh, you should meet Elaine. Yeah. Elaine's really good. It's almost like the mafia. Like, you know, this is my friend. Yeah, I know <laughs> yeah. him. And, it, it, you know, you say that and it, you go, okay, and then you're, you're open to that person. And I think that that's a lot of it is it's trust because everyone's uh, fighting for their for own for a small pot as survival well. yeah. yeah so then and they have to work with people that and as well it's a real intimate affair when you're getting into making these films or getting into distribution you become best friends you know almost yeah. but it's business friends so they have to spend a lot of time with you and they have to trust that you're not going to screw them over, over basically yeah. yeah you know and and that does happen some people change their mind on things and they start making decisions that you're not happy with her and that's very difficult so I guess everyone has to suss that out at the start so that's why like many times even people who worked on the film I'll get calls from other directors or producers now and they'll say oh I see there whoever worked on your film what were they like you know and then I go they were amazing or you know because you they want to know like what were they like because they're about to hire them for yeah a 30-day shoot or well no one gets 30 days here but a 20-day shoot and they don't want to hire someone that they think they might have problems with 10 days in yeah and that's it it's again it's it's such a high stress scenario being on a set like there's I I always feel everything that always goes wrong can and then 10 other things on top of that (laughs) and you just have to be able to deal with it and then when people start taking egos into the room it's and those egos clash it's it can be a fresh hell yeah 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 um, but definitely, definitely, it's very important to, to work with your friends. So what now is on your slate? Like, what have you been doing? Have you been working on any other projects? Have you been coming up yeah, with... Yeah, we have this... Uh, two? No. 
<laughs> that's that's done. We reach the uh, edge there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, put the banks to bed, I think. But uh, yeah, we, myself, and my brother are writing this TV series at the moment, uh, which is like GA meets Peaky Blinders, um, and that's probably ready to go for funders soon. Excellent. And then we have done a TV game show. Yeah. that we created uh, with Morgan Bush of Fastnet oh, Films yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so myself, my brother and him, and that's teamed up with Shinoel Larry Bass, who yeah. does Dragon's Den, and is it Dancing with the Stars? Is the Irish one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think so, yeah. yeah. Are, uh, so, and that's just been signed with a LA production at the moment, Brilliant. about um, yeah, within the last month, so that's been developed in LA at the moment. So that's kind of really cool and it's a break from film making because yeah. film making is so intense and it really is like your baby so yeah you're so protective every single little decision hurts uh but with the uh with the game show it's enjoyable in a way that someone else has inputted you want to change something and you're going oh yeah cool yeah <laughs> you know as long as we might get it you know we get it made and you know there's i guess it's more a money vehicle yeah if that works out well, that would be great as well and it's it, it's old storytelling at the end of yeah. the day like it is everything from a game show to a documentary to a film to an ad is you're constructing a story yeah. you're finding the most um best way to present it you're finding stories and nuances within yeah. it that people can relate to so it's and it's good as well because it's stimulating a different part of the gray matter as well so yeah. you're i find that really interesting because i guess my strength seems to be getting tension in a scene yeah. between people and a game show where they're competing yeah. is tension as well and it's like the way the game show is set up is based on psychological tension between strangers uh, oh so that thing where two strangers are in a room you close the door and their tension levels both rise That's yeah it's not exactly yeah. that but it's it's along that lines where yeah there's strangers and they're yeah they're competing against each other in different ways but they it's to do with a voting system um, so it's quite psychological Cool. Which okay, works well. Very yeah. interesting. And it's called Fallout, which is a great name. I oh think. yes, it is. Like the video game. <laughs> yeah. That's got a fab re- repercussions. Yeah, sort of, yeah, or, yeah. Um, elicits interesting kind of tense thoughts. So yeah, like definitely high drama there. What would be say the next feature film if you were to attach this again? Or actually, no, I'm going to phrase that differently. If you were to go back to the you in the past, because it's two years now and you've actually done a lot of different projects, what would you have done differently shooting this? That's a, see, that's a, it's a tough question yeah. and I'm not going to take the bait, so to speak, on it because yeah. I think when I do think back, every time I go, oh, I would like to do that, but I couldn't have. Yeah. You know, I would like to you know, have the camera spin in on a dolly system yeah. for that shot, but I couldn't do that. You know, yeah. So I, I really... Don't, I guess the only thing I would have done is, and I was advised at the time um, by people on the crew, yeah. was to cut certain scenes during the filming. Yeah. And I, I refused to. Yeah. And it ended up in the edit. Floor, anyway. Certain little scenes went to the floor, anyway, because they weren't essential to the plot. Yeah. And I guess it was my first time going through it where they probably had more experience than I did. And they were like, you could probably do without that scene. It, it, like, we're under pressure. And I go, we're not missing a scene. Uh, so I would have put a lot of people under pressure to get all the scenes done. Yeah. Uh, where they weren't all needed, you know. Okay. 
And actually, that just reminded me of another question that I wanted to ask about um, writing the script. So when you were doing your drafts, did you just, did you have um, a partner that you could show it to and then you would go back and edit it? Or was it something like you were like, this isn't right, I'm going to do it again, I'm going to do it again? Or would you get feedback from different sources? Yeah, um, I was lucky in the sense I was living on the Keys there in town in an apartment. Um, and I guess I'd left the bank. Then when I left the bank that time, so you're just sitting around an apartment. So it was really handy for coffees. And I would have had a friend that I met probably every day or every second day. And mm-hmm. she was really good for just uh, bouncing ideas off. Yeah. So Or even... And obviously, my brother was in particular the biggest one because um, he was producing it. But yeah. I'd be on the phone to him. But you'd ring him at twelve o'clock at night and go, "You know that scene here? What do you think of this?" Or he'd do yeah. the same. He'd ring me and go, oh, "I was thinking what you could do with your line of dialogue to get out of that scene is this." So I would definitely very much um, bounce off people all the time. Like even you know a few five minutes after I've an open scene, have yeah. my head, I can tell you it, and we can get some feedback. Yeah. But I'm very open to. As long as you're not giving away a big twist to certain people, I think that being open with people and talking about a scene is, is great to get feedback and see if they're intrigued. And if they're not intrigued, usually I go home and I change it. Because you were saying that about how yourself and Lauren the last time workshopped James in some mm-hmm. ways and how um, he kind of contributed to that character. So it's, it, like it is, it's such a collaboration. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting, especially when you revise so much. Like I, and that, that yeah. would be a nice thing, actually, to go back to that other thing of doing something different as well. But yeah. then it's a time constraint is there are certain things on set, yeah. right, a certain way with Lawrence or with Sarah or with Ali or Sonia. And fair play to them, they would do it the way they'd work or whatever they do in their own heads to make it seem true. Uh, but then other times they'd want to do something their own way and I'd give them one take, yeah. you know, and a lot of times. And even, and I remember with Lawrence, there's two t- things in particular that are, I remember filming and going, that's not going to make it in. Like, you know, the other yeah. way is better. And then in the edit, his two ways came in, you know, and it it's was like, wow. It's amazing how different because he was in the character when so. you're looking in a room at a screen than yeah. when you're on set and it's like i don't know there's just something different can happen and it's amazing because he obviously had that well, i think actors head. just get into the character in a way at that time probably more than i'd be able to be into mm-hmm. the character so a certain thing i have in my head on the day doesn't play exactly true to the character's emotions in that scene and that's yeah. where lawrence or sarah and these other amazing actors that we had would bring theirs to it and so often I, that 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 impressed isn't the word but it did impress but um surprised me i guess because i would have had something so fixed in my head and if you were to say pick four things that you learned while shooting that what would they be you can be four is arbitrary you can pick however many you want if you've two there's you've a two. lot of things there's learned. a lot of things but there's loads of things like they could be little things like how to get the best out of actors nice little aesthetic tips anything um one is fine because <laughs> <laughs> it's a baptism by fire oh i know yeah. and that's why like you i did i was thinking you'd have a thousand you'd have no, to narrow it down so to much, four yeah so much learning in it and i guess a lot of it is um a lot of it is dealing with dealing with people you know yeah. and understanding their jobs and what yeah. they do and what they bring to the table and that would have been 
difficult for me conveying my vision because uh, it's my first time conveying vision of this size to people yeah. and I probably would have struggled a little bit with that but we got there and then but it was probably tougher than it needed to be and how important are your relationships with your department heads oh like they yeah. you live or die by them to be yeah. honest like you know so if you don't have and I would say like in particular there's five or six heads that were on this film and she's without if one of them was gone you're in trouble you know because you really do like you said it's problem after problem and so many people on the set aren't and I would say that's the biggest thing I learned is um, you keep the problems to yourself and the main group of people Uh, and that's where they would have your back in it but then um, when things go wrong they understand why something's gone wrong or what's being fixed in the background like and you're protecting certain people it's a strange thing to say like but it's like i might make a personal mistake on the set the heads know i made the mistake yeah but it can't be said there's this mistake made it's like right we need to fix this so then certain things get delayed or we're shooting some other scene that we weren't meant to shoot but it's all to protect this mistake and it can it's me sometimes it's others sometimes and it's some people who don't even realize that it was a, there was a problem or a mistake that's kind of messed up the morning. Yeah. But you there's this thing, and I see it some and others where there ends up being a blame game, and it's yeah. not. And I was very lucky with the heads that I had; they're all very competent in that regard and very trustworthy. Because I yeah. would because it was an indie film, we spent so much time together beforehand in pre-production and talking about the script, going through everything. Did you almost you you get that trust and almost like a, a friendship really is what you get out of them. So on set, you know you're protected. And I yeah. I guess, like, who said that? Mel Gibson said it in one interview, and it's been said a few times as well, and others I've heard is, it's like going into battle and you have your army with you. Yeah. And if your army's not a good army that's out to help protect you, then you're going to get crucified, you know? Or so standing back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I guess, and, and it's nothing, it, it just these things tend to happen. So yeah. I was very lucky with who we had and that kind of set the tone um and a lot of people were protecting you i guess is what they do uh, where it's different if you're a well-known director or filmmaker you're automatically kind of protected yeah or respected is kind of thing where when you're down in the you know you're making the sandwiches almost as well like yeah. you know it's well if your brother was producing it is that is that helpful as well yeah because yeah. it Obviously, you can have very frank conversations with him. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> you can be like, I need the money for this. <laughs> I want yeah, explosions yeah. everywhere. <laughs> but you, you have some, like you have arguments, but uh, you know that, and that was a, it's a big benefit even going forward now. I mean, him working together is you can have extremely frank conversations and it's never, ever going to hurt our relationship. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the two of us want to make films and that's yeah. all we want to do. So there's no the personal side of it isn't in it because we grew up together. We know each other inside out. So we can get mad if you do something wrong and, yeah. or, you know, or if someone got the nicer ice cream. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cause that's your brother is, <laughs> that's where <laughs> yeah. the original friction yeah, started. Yeah. So we'd, we'd, yeah. we'd go at each other and then five minutes later you're laughing and it's, it's fine again. But I guess, uh, you know, if you don't have that type of relationship, sometimes it can be difficult that it, I, I see it can cause, it can cause frictions. 
So thanks so much, Alan, for um, coming and chatting with us here in Film Ireland. Thank you so much. Thank you.